made it for us. You made it for a purpose, for us to be glad, rejoice, honor you, have a good time in you, be thankful, be joyful, to enjoy our salvation, to walk out the joy of our salvation. So we thank you, Lord God of heaven and earth, for what you're going to bring to us today. Bring us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding because we love it so much. We just love to feast on your word. Give us revelation from the throne room of heaven, from the mind of the Spirit, from the mind of God. And we thank you, Father, for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. So today we're going to talk about finding the thief. Finding the thief. You know, sometimes when you, when you have lack or you don't have what you need in life, it, it can send you into, I call, a little tailspin. You're, you're anxious. You know, you're under the gun, you're under pressure, but yet you can't locate where the error is or where the problem is. You know, it's, I mean, it, it, you can give a solution or you can think you know the answer, but especially if it's repeated over and over again, there's a pattern of loss, a pattern of missing it, a pattern of not um, being satisfied and get, accomplishing what you want in God. You can, it can set your mind kind of wondering. You know, people have even wondered if God's mad at them about something. I mean, Christians, you know, has God forgotten about me? You know, it's, we've been here at this for so long and it seems like it's not getting any better. And so there is an easy remedy in the scriptures. When you locate it, you can see what, what the Bible says about it. Now, in, in um, let me see, which scripture do I want? Matthew um, 24, I think it is. Matthew 24. Nobody would knowingly uh, rob from themselves. So you have to, uh, you know, understand what, uh, let me see, do I want that one? No, that's not the one I want. Hang on a second. Let me see, Matthew 13. Okay, in Matthew chapter 13, starting verse 24, another parable he put forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. So many times we'll look at at our situation and see lack and see... Uh, something's, you know, it's like you were were expecting a whole apple, and when it came, there was a bruise in it or a bite out of it. Something's, there's a mark there that lets you know that's not really what you asked God for, you see, and you did your best, you feel, in getting the the whole thing. Now, Brother Hagen used to say, well, you know, how many of us ever get God's best? Well, I sure want it. You, you got me? You know, we don't settle. We just, but there's, there, this does arise to me a curiosity to know 
why is it not the way I pray it? You know, why doesn't it come in just like the word says, you know, and exceeding abundantly beyond all I can ask or think? You know, when is that going to happen? You know what I'm saying? And so in those times, you have to understand from the word what's probably going on. And so what's probably going on is this thing right here. An enemy have done this. See, you went and sowed in your field the best way you knew how. But the Bible says while men slept, the enemy comes and sows tares, weeds in your garden. Weeds are the things that rob you of your harvest. You get too many weeds, they choke out the plant that you want. But even if you just let a few of them grow, if you think about it, that's a space they're occupying that, that real seed could be, be you know, like if, if you, you got two square feet and two inches is weeds, well, that's two, two less inches that you have of your crop that you wanted. And so we have to develop a sensitivity and a lack of tolerance, zero tolerance for the work of the enemy, you see, and, and make sure, you know, it's not... It's not something that we could prevent, avoid, or counter when it's not going exactly the way, you know, according to program. Does that make sense? So he says, while men slept, that's the key. Who doesn't need sleep? Hmm? But they're sleeping their sleep. I was watching this uh, uh, chopped food network. Chopped. You've been chopped. I said, I could chop you, little squirt. Why they always got the little shrimpy guy up there trying to go for bad, you know, lifting that thing. You've been chopped. You can't even cook. But, but I digress. I don't want to be upset with anybody. But they had a chopped champion. You know how they have a winner out of each initial group. Then they brought on all the champions to go for the grand thing. And the woman who won it was young, you know, she's maybe in her 30s or something like that. And she, they show, you know, they do these little, these little uh, captions where they'll maybe talk to them sometime during the competition. And when they edit, they splice them into the programming and so forth. So they had spoken to her uh, before, you know, what, whatever had taken place. And she said, well, she said, I was thinking about this. She said, and I remember the words of P. Diddy. And I said, hmm, this is interesting. People who have success are doing it because they follow the word some kind of way. Unless they just thieves, you know. And then you see them on America's Most Wanted or Cops or something like that. You know, they don't, they don't live to tell about their success for very long. Because they're not getting it by, by legitimate means. But there's a, there are principles at work in the earth that people follow. And she said something I thought was interesting because she wound up being the winner. Now, when they showed this little clip, you know, she had not won yet. So you're not sure if they asked her after the fact or sometime during it. She said, but I remember what he said. And he said, when there is something, when you set a goal and you want to get something done, she said, he told, he said, sleep is forbidden. If you want success, sleep is forbidden. 
Because the Bible says a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands, and so shall your poverty come upon you. See, if it weren't scriptural, I wouldn't share it with you. You got me? But it is scriptural that if, when you are, are in the midst of obtaining, in the midst of gathering, in the midst of harvest, there are certain crucial times in your life where things that you are pursuing need your total focus and undivided attention where sleep is forbidden. And I'm not talking about a rest so you don't fall off your feet. But this girl must have taken it to heart and she must have watched and seen that he had something she admired. And she decided, I mean, if that was the best example you have, at least you have an example before you. And she decided that she would listen to what he said so she could imitate to get the kind of success he had. And that was one of the things she remembered. And she stayed focused and she stayed intense. She did some things in her competition that were very unorthodox. But they worked because she was focused and whatever was inspiring her, however she was inspired, she grabbed that thought, she grabbed that recipe, she grabbed that plan, she grabbed that thing, and she executed it totally, perfectly, focused, and wound up winning. See, she wound up winning. Why? Because she understands the value of staying intent and not letting the enemy come in while she's sleeping and sow weeds into her garden and her harvest and what she's desiring from God. And so <clears throat> an enemy is afoot. The enemy is always looking for ways that he can get us to sleep, get us distracted, get us off the mark, get us anything. You know, there are some times when you, I know this happens to people, it happened to me a lot when I was new in the things of God, Young Christians, when you go to a new church, what's the first thing that happens? You look around to see if somebody offends you so you can have an excuse not to come back anymore. Listen, if it didn't work, the devil wouldn't do it. He does it because it works. See, you go to sleep on the switch. God sent you there. you got problems in your life. You've been praying forever to get rid of these problems. He sends you to a place where you can get help. And the first thing you do is get distracted when he says, look at James. Watch. Watch. See? They don't like people here. They don't treat you right. You go up and, and, and instead of asking for prayer at the altar call, you want to come after the altar call's over and go to the pastor's office and bug the pastor for extra time. Amen. And if they tell you, no, well, you, you really, the time to come up for prayer is at the altar time, huh? Because the power's here. After I leave here and go sit down, I may not feel like doing, y'all don't know what we do back <laughs> here, huh? You understand what I'm saying? There's an appropriate time and season. And if you don't understand that, you need to be taught that so that you can get what God sent you for and you won't go home disappointed. But see, many people see that as offensive. They don't pray for you up there. They don't, you can't see the pastor. You, you got me? 
So these are distractions. There's where we go to sleep on the wheel of spiritual attentiveness. And we get over into the flesh where the devil can give us some false information. Get us to act on it. This is what he did to Eve. Adam and Eve lost their first estate. God gave them the garden. God's home was always heaven. Now we get to have that as our our home, but that's a secondary home for us. Come on now. Heaven for us will be a holding place until the new heaven and the new earth and we come down and start this all over again. But earth was always our first estate. God made the garden and and he, he looked around. He said there's no man to tend the garden. And so he created the man for the purpose of taking care of the earth that he had made. So earth has always been our first estate. But what did the enemy do? He came in and he couldn't stand the fact that Adam and Eve had all of that. Just like he don't like the fact that you can have all of that. If you'd ever focus on God long enough and, and understand how the principles work and work them. If that little girl cooking on chop can work a principle, my goodness, that woman won, what, $50,000 or something like that? $50,000. Because she remembered one thing that a rapper said. And here we're children of the Most High God. We're heirs of the whole earth. And yet we get upset if we can't get our bills paid on time because we don't, you know, got to do that for some people. You don't do it for me. You know what we do. Huh? And so if you will understand where God's going in things, don't get distracted. Don't let the enemy sow weeds into your garden. Don't let him plant ideas that get you to make wrong moves. What did he tell Eve? He deceived her <clears throat> and was able to steal part dominion or have an influence and dominion on the earth through trickery and deception. Well, God hates a thief no matter how he steals. You know, there's, there's strong arm robbery and then there's Wall Street robbery. It, they all thieves. You got me? Some of them just massage your bank account until there's nothing left in there. And some of them just stick a gun up your nose and just take everything. They're, they're all robbers, you got me? And God hates all of it. But he was able to deceive Eve into thinking that God was holding something back from her. I'll write that down. Because that is the main hook lure. If it worked then, it's still working. The devil still works it. Because if he can get you to believe that somehow God has lied to you and considers you second class and not first class. Does God want the best for us? Of course. Why don't we have it? I've heard people say things. I'm getting tired of settling for second best. Well, you don't have to. Your father's rich and you're the heir of all things with his son, Jesus, who is perfect in everything. Jesus is there to help us at every turn to get the things that God has for us. But see, we don't have them because sometimes we allow the enemy to take our attention and plant some errant seed in there that will just put enough junk 
in the game to diminish our return to the level that we notice it. Uh, we notice something's missing. It seems like every time I step out to do this, I, I say that God's going to get me this kind of money and, and, and have a good time at work and all that kind of stuff. And at the end of the day or the end of the week, I'm always coming up short. It's a thief. An enemy has done this. There's something in there that's planted. And it's either planted in our minds or planted in our expectations you know, sometimes you can start off believing God 100% and then your mind starts to work on you. Well, maybe I don't need all of this or maybe it's not going to be a maybe this and maybe that. That's what the enemy does. He diminishes our expectation. He diminishes our hope and he diminishes our faith. So he actually plants robbery inside of our minds By making us think that for some reason, now God has told you all this wonderful stuff. You see all these great people in the Bible that he did it for. But yet when it comes to me and you, somehow these things don't quite mean. He don't quite mean what he said there. He made Abraham very rich. In fact, he made Abram very rich. Before he became Abraham, he was very rich. Rescued him out of a a very difficult life. Crazy carnal religious life, made him a great man, made his name great. And yet when he promises things like that to some of us, we say, well, I don't know if I need all. I don't know if he means all that. Well, you know, I don't want to get in pride and I don't want you. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to be great. huh? Why not you? If God's told you, why not you? Why not you? And so what we have to understand is that we have to be on guard for the thief. Make sure we find him. Make sure that we are vigilant to keep thieving thoughts, thieving ideas, and thieving activities out of our lives. You can't afford to, you know, people say things like, well, I pray and I'm believing God for things, but then your confession afterwards about it. Hmm? Say amen, somebody. Amen. See, you can't, with, when you believe, you've got to believe with your whole being. You can't just believe in your heart and let your mind and your mouth be raggedy. You've got to believe with your whole being. Faith is an action. What you say about something after you agreed in prayer is very important. Huh? You can't afford to let certain words come out of your mouth, even if they're spoken in fear or they're spoken in a, 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 an emotional uh, situation. You know, sometimes you'll, you'll be going along fine and then something happens to make it look like that thing's being upset. And you say, oh, I knew that. You can't know that God's going to deliver and then know it's going to be bad, too, at the same time. Come on now. So there's a thief again, robbing because very often instead of us looking for, uh, you know, for getting excited about the result coming in and and getting stirred up and and allowing God to give us the anticipation, you know, the expectation of good, we let our minds drift off and wander. We're sleeping again. And once your mind drifts off and wanders, it starts to look for things contrary to God's word. Mm-hmm. I believe I received when I prayed. 
and the thought comes to you, then why don't you have it? Now, what's your response? Hmm? Mm-hmm. See? What, what is happening is the enemy is trying to pull you over into natural faith and out of supernatural faith in God's word. If you believe what you receive when you prayed, when that thought comes, why don't you have it? You say, but devil, I do have it. I told you, I believed, I received. I got it right here. Well, if you got it, where is it? It's in here. It's in the invisible nut where you can't see it. Huh? Faith works in the invisible realm. Hmm? If you want to make any more questions and inquiries about it, I expect, I hope you will go see God about that. Because he got my stuff out in glory where you can't have it. But I do have it. Amen. I have it by decree. I have decreed a thing and it will happen. Well, how come it don't? How come it's taking so long? It ain't long for me. I got eternity to live with the Father. This little stuff down here, it's not taking long. It's right on schedule, devil. You see? Very different from when you, especially in the realm of healing. You know, when we got symptoms. I believe I receive when I pray. Well, how come you still got? Huh? I don't have that. I have my healing, devil. See, this is where you really fight it. This is where you really get your victory. Huh? Is in the natural trying to challenge the supernatural. And if you make up your mind to stay with the supernatural, whether you think it's right or not, whether you think it's real or not, whether you think it's... All you got to do is repeat what you told God you wanted when you prayed. You repeat that to everything. It is written. It does not change. He is a God who changes not, and I'm his kid and I change not. And once I couple and and partner with him in something, I don't change. Not changing. So what we have to do is make sure that we find where the thief is acting and active and stop him if you can't reach search him out and find him you won't be able to stop him in exodus 22 i'll give you some scriptures to get you to understand how adamant god is against stealing exodus 22 Verse 1, if a man steal an ox or a sheep and kill it or sell it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox, four sheep for a sheep. It's a law of restitution, which is anytime you steal something, you take what doesn't belong to you, you have to increase and multiply giving it back. That's where we get our scripture that if the thief be found, he must return sevenfold everything he's stolen from us. Deuteronomy 24 I'm sorry. And verse 2 in in Exodus 22, verse 2. If a thief be found breaking up or tearing up or breaking and entering and be killed that he die, there shall no blood be shed for him. So it's your your justifiable homicide scripture. Huh? If somebody tries to break in your house, 
and you have to use a weapon to defend yourself and you kill that person, it's justifiable homicide. You find that in a lot of countries. That's what that scripture is right there. And if the sun be risen upon him, there shall be blood shed for him, for he shall make full restitution. And if he has nothing left, then he shall be sold for his theft. In other words, God will put you into slavery for stealing. Hello. Remember the debtor's prisons that were so common in Europe? If you run up bills and you can't do it, they make you work. They, it was called a workhouse for a reason. Because you worked off debt, you worked off penalties, you worked off everything there. huh? Now it's gotten to be like a, you know, a, a spa in many cases. You know, it costs more to house criminals now than they can produce even in the, you know, everything's it's gotten into, all this equality has gotten into everything. It's like you're abusing them if you don't pay them a certain wage when they do things, you know, work and all that. Where it used to be you were tied, you broke rocks and you built railroads and you did that kind of stuff in the hot sun and nobody ever paid you. You were working off your debt to society. But God doesn't think that way. Deuteronomy 24. In verse 7, if a man be found stealing of any of his brethren, of the children of Israel, and makes merchandise of him or sells him, then the thief shall die. They kill you. What, what uh, Joseph's brothers did, did to him, they should have been killed for doing that. Huh? It's illegal to take your own people and put them into slavery. He said, and that thief shall die, and you shall put evil away from among you. The reason God said, thou shalt not steal, is because he's not a thief. And he holds us to the same standard. We're to be imitators of God as dear children, the Bible says. So when he says, you shall not steal, it's because he's not a thief. And he has designed his covenant to take the thief out of his children. Amen? It's written in the laws of sowing and reaping. Give and it will be given unto you. See, that takes the thief out of it because it obligates you to do something to show that your interest in this thing is genuine before God will give it to you. If you don't have anything invested in what you're doing, how careful are you going to be with it? How much are you going to appreciate it? How much are you going to take care of it? See, if thieves didn't get a penalty, if there was no sevenfold return when you find a thief, it would be profitable to steal. And we wouldn't have God's character about us. So this is why very often when we see things are diminished in our lives, our answers to prayer are a little off. We don't have quite what we asked for. It's, it's, gone. it's because God's trying to show us that there is a thief involved and he wants that thief out of your life. You shall not steal, not even by trickery, deceit, or by lack of knowledge or any of that. You know, many times we think, well, well, God, I just, I'm new to this. I don't know all them scriptures and I know all that. You're still held to the same standard. You're still held to the standard that you know about. Why? Because he, you don't need an easy pass. You don't need a, a special 
condition for you because you don't know how to do stuff and you don't know all them scriptures and you're so pitiful and you never had this and you had a poor upbringing and all that kind of stuff. Well, you're not that person anymore. You're a new creature in Christ and you have to live by kingdom rules. You have to obey all kingdom rules in order to prosper in God. And so that's why God demands this kind of of, uh, behavior from us and this kind of attention to these details from us so that he can totally wipe the thief out of our lives and we live as people of integrity. And doesn't it feel better to be able to go out and use your own faith and sow seed and conquer and subdue and be every, able to call the shots in your life? If you know you need something over here, you know exactly what to do to bring that into you. To me, that's a lot better life than sitting around expecting God and being disappointed and begging and, oh, God, please, you know, getting the, oh, God, please thing again, barely getting by. So if you understand the laws and you understand the rules and you get good command of those, then that's the way God wants us to live. He doesn't want us to live with the crumbs from the table forever. He wants us to be able to understand how to put these laws in operation. But I'm telling you, there's more stealing going on sometimes than we can imagine. Because oftentimes we're not as vigilant over what the devil's doing to steal from us as we need to be. So who is the thief and how does he, does he work? And we said that in that parable in Matthew 13. The thief is Satan, our adversary. And he steals any way he can. If he can get you distracted. If he can get you to, to break fellowship with the saints. Break fellowship with people who can add to your life. He'll do that. But mostly he does it through deception and false ideas plants false ideas into our heads sometimes they even sound reasonable to us sometimes people who struggle in certain areas and 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 they know they want deliverance and they know god wants them delivered but then the thought will come to you well you know everybody doesn't live right we all have our moments well i have done some things for god i haven't always been like this you got me? We're always looking for a little bit of credit for something instead of the what, what, what did God initially come to you with? Thou shalt not. And he expects you to obey thou shalt not. He doesn't expect you to want a, a, an easy pass or an easy way because you've had it so hard all your life. See, And so the enemy comes to us and steals this way because he pulls you over into your soul and your flesh and you go easy on yourself. See, Instead of bringing yourself up to that elevated place that we talked about yesterday and living up to that standard in God that you can live up to. He'll help you more to live right than he will excuse you for living wrong. So you don't get an excuse for living wrong. You get forgiven. But you have to repent in order to receive that. And so if we'll understand that getting the thief out is very, very important between us and God. He wants us to find these places where the enemy gets in so easily. And he can trick and deceive us and and pull away from us. Why doesn't God just give it to us anyway? Why is it so hard? Why does he demand so much? Because he's put so much into us. And he knows we can do it because we have all the help in the world that we need. 
You have the spirit of God in you. You have his word. You have regular fellowship with the saints. You have teaching. You've got tapes. You've got all kinds of things to help you. And you've got the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you. Now, if you can't win with all that, my goodness. So the demand is high because the help is high. And we have a high calling and a high purpose down here. We have eternity locked up inside of us, folks. That's not something God entrusts to weak, feeble people who can't do anything and can't get over and can't stop you know, fornicating or God can't stop backbiting or can't stop lying or can't stop stealing or something like that. He doesn't entrust in eternity to people who are not capable of living up to his standard. He doesn't do it. And the reason that we don't get the pass when we certain things, well, God, I prayed the best I could and I still only got this much. The reason you don't get a pass is because he knows you can do better. See, this is the thing. We've all been in dumb school. You've all been in dumb education all your life. The education you got as a natural person is not nearly as beneficial or as serious as the one you get from God. That was just pretend compared to. So we're used to sliding by. You know, when you're this high, you obey the teacher. But when you get a little bit higher, you start looking nose to nose with them. They say, well, just go on. And they pass you through. Huh? They don't want to tangle with you. Well, they used to be able to send you to the principal and you were scared. But now you send these six-foot kids into the principal's office, they tear that thing up. Certain kids, you're glad when they play, play hooky in truants. You just don't want them in there. You got me? And so this school of God that we're in learning his ways is totally different from natural education. You can miss 10 days in regular school and still get an A. I did it. I used to have colds a lot when I was in, in high school. And I can get back in there and I had a teacher. They said, I said, well, can I make up? Yeah, I'll let you make up. And I'd make up and I'd get my A and I'd be on my way. You understand what I'm saying? And I'd realize I didn't have to, almost didn't have to show up at this rascal. You got me? But this is a challenge. See, this is a challenge because this you must master. Because the purpose is great. The rewards are great. The benefits are great. The blessings are great. What he wants us to do in this earth are great things. Imagine, with one word, you can help somebody into heaven or keep them out. Now, if you have that kind of power in God, why wouldn't he demand high standards from you? Why wouldn't he demand the best from you? He's already entrusted you with eternal life. See, we look at, at well, I'm going witnessing. I, I told somebody about the Lord, and we, but you, it doesn't register with you what that really means in a person's life, the total impact of that thing. Oftentimes it can make the difference between whether, not just whether they have a good day or bad day or whether they get healed or not, but it has eternal consequences in a person's life. Anything we do under, under the influence of the anointing of God has eternal consequences. You've been given high power. You've been given high influence with the most high God. So God has high standards to go along with it. He must require the best from us. He must require great things from us and great discipline from us. So that's why many times he doesn't give you a pass. 
You understand what I'm saying? Give you his best when you haven't put forth 100% effort to him. Huh? It's just true. And see, many times we're looking for too easy a way when he has made the way easy for us. You know, we have a, an inheritance in God. But yet the one who left us the inheritance is still alive and living in us and helping us to gain everything. So we have an awful lot of help to get the things that we need from God because he has high standards from us and we can, for us and we can live up to him. So we said the devil stole Adam and Eve's estate through trickery. He kept them from having it, but then he couldn't have it himself. And see, this is the thing. The devil will steal from you, and he can't enjoy it himself. That's why the Bible says the wealth of the sinner is laid up for us because God won't let the devil have it. It belongs to God. There have been things stolen in my life and, and or missing in my life. And I remember God telling me, he said, if you would just pray and ask me to lead you to it. He said, I have everything. And see, in your carnal mind, you think, well, I lost it like it's gone. When you're in covenant with God, your stuff is not gone. It's being held for you. But, you know, as many times as I've used that scripture and God's performed on it, sometimes I don't do it. I forget to do it. You know, because your carnal mind takes over and you think, well, he won't do that. He keeps doing that. He will. He is. (laughs) Why? Because a thief is there stealing from me. Like him doing things over and over again is hard for him. Huh? There's some goofy standard we get inside of us that says, well, we should need him to keep finding my earring for me. You understand what I'm saying? Or I should need him to keep doing this for me. And we stop when he wants us to continue and live supernaturally that way in him. People I know started out in ministry. You know, they said, well, we had a, a, a vehicle that barely ran. We had to lay hands on it, but it kept running for us. And then we got more people and we were able to afford new vehicles. And you see their level of faith that they teach their people diminishes too. They start depending upon the natural much more than they do the supernatural. Where God had them on the right path when he started out. See when you start out believing God and laying hands on everything and seeing it work. He's doing that not Until you can get money and get somebody else to do it for you or get something new all the time. But he's doing it to teach you his ways. He's doing it to teach you that this is how we live. We live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God and we add to it and not go away from it once we think we're able to do it. Choice sometimes is a thief. See, when you've got a washer and it works, you know, you hear that grunt noise in it or something like that and it's almost conking out on you and you don't have the money for a new one, you'll think about laying hands on that rascal and you'll go pray over it. But get some money in the bank and see what, huh? 
Prayer goes out, the laying on hand goes out. The, trust me, everybody does. You know why? Because oftentimes when we have small beginnings or we're in a place where we can't afford things and we have to pray for everything, we resent it. That's why the Bible says don't despise the day of small things. Why? Because those small things are supposed to grow in big things that are just like them and not despising it. Just, just wait until I get someone's, oh, just wait until I get, wait until I get, huh? Many times we want to prosper so that we can lord it all over, so show somebody something. Huh? Of course we do. Because there's still that resentment seed on the inside of us for the small things, for the day of small things. And so we have to be careful we don't let resentment steal what God wants us to have. Sometimes we want looking at staring at designer things all the time. You know, most of them people go to hell. You got me? They don't worship the Lord. They don't exalt the Lord. They don't live for God. They live for the devil. Yet we would kill to be able to get something with their name on it. Huh? Oh, I'd be glad when I can get me some, you know, Gucci's and Moochies and. Huh? Patucci's. Huh? Always want a name drop. Because that's the best. You know, that's the best. I remember hearing a a minister, minister, and they were saying that how much they struggled when they first started. You know, they were working a job, and God told them to quit the job because it was time to study full-time. You're a full-time minister. You can't be running everywhere and... Every time Dick and Harry taking a piece of your brain, you got to be able to have time to listen to God first. You know what I'm saying? And so they quit the job, and their paycheck diminished, so they had to start living by faith. For some people, it's the first time they've ever lived by faith when they can't go out and buy it in the natural. And so this person was saying they got tired of eating hamburger all the time. And we'd go through the supermarket and say, oh, I'll be glad when, when the day comes when I can afford a steak. And the Lord stopped me. I was sitting there listening. The Lord stopped me. He said, now, see, this is what's wrong with that. Hmm? Now, listen, when I listen, I pay attention to God, folks. I'm not all wrapped up in, ooh, they got a multi-million dollar man. Ooh, they got all, ooh, you have been manifest. Ooh, Jake's and ooh, this and You better listen with God. And she's going on and on, and this sounds normal to me because this is how I think sometimes or have thought I've grown up. And this is how most people do think. They're angry, upset, and depressed because of their current condition. And the thought says, I'll be glad when I get so-and-so and so-and-so because then I can really live. Well, that's what we do. And if you're a child of God, you need to repent, be ashamed. How dare you reduce the life he's given us to mere things. What you're going to eat. What you're going to drink. What you're going to put on. Where, How can we be clothed. Jesus says isn't your life more than food and clothing. And here God was grooming her for international ministry. To minister to millions of people. And yet she carries that in her heart. 
And God told me, he said, this is what's wrong with that. He says, I tell you in my word that if you want anything to make your request known to me. He says, she doesn't have to wait to get enough money to buy steak. He said, I can give her steak anytime. He said, all she has to do is say, any of my kids, if they'd ask me for what they want, he said, I'd give it to them without a problem. He said, I never told you to wait until you can, can worship mammon long enough for him to give you something. Because that's all you're doing. You're bowing at the altar of mammon. Oh, mammon, you're so great. When I get more of you, mammon, I'll be able to do, I'll be finally be happy. I'll be able to do everything that I want to do. Yet we get up and sing the joy of the Lord is my strength. But yet we'll say in our confession, I'm going to withhold my joy and my gladness until I get things. See, that's how the devil steals from you. Because joy, you can enter into any time. The Bible tells you to be a faithful servant and enter into the joy of the Lord. Huh? Problem with people, they let the, the thief steal faithfulness from them. It's the minute they start doing good and, and doing something for God, their mind gets distracted and they think about, well, when am I going to get? When is it going to be? It's my turn. <laughs> you know, like Miss Ross. Everybody's waiting for their turn. Huh? It is your turn. Every day's your turn. It's your turn now. Stop waiting for the devil to, to get enough pressure off of you so you can live. You don't belong to him. And you don't belong to the God of mammon either. Well, when I get a husband... Husband Schmusman. And all the married people said. Amen. <laughs> huh? <laughs> Don't ever think a person's going to complete your life. You're complete already in him. You're complete in him. Listen, marriage ain't nothing but another project. It's just something you're going to have to work on. If you, you, you think your dance card is full now. You get you a full-time squish. Watching your every move. Right. Uh Uh-huh. I did something one time. I forgot to check in or something. And and when I got home, Aubrey was mad at me. And I said, you know what? I said, I forgot I was married. And he looked at me and said, give me that. Well, you know, I can't say the rest of it. The God you was married. <laughs> but I really did. And, you know, I just was doing my, you know, you get into that pattern that you used to have when you, uh, I didn't forget no more, though. I bet you I came home, came right home every time. Huh? But don't let conditions imprison you and stifle your spirit and steal your joy. Who you are. Be the same person, broke as you are when you have abundance. 
You know, when, when you are able to do more, you have more financial freedom, you have to have more discipline. Because now you've got, and you don't want to lose it. So then you've got to have faith projects to keep your faith alive and keep yourself created because you know when you start leaning into the natural too much and leaning more into, you can tell. When you've lost that edge where you used to grab everything and lay hands on it and, you know, before you rush the kids out to the doctor, you'd stop and pray and ask God, is this a doctor situation or is this Dr. Jesus? Huh? But see, we lose that sometimes. Once you, you know, you pay, oh, they got good benefits at this. You won't get a better benefit than Psalm 103. Huh? Living off of benefits and living off of, you know, all of this stuff, they're merely crutches and they will begin to rob you of the faith of God that you can, you need to live every day. Because once you let a blue cross cripple you, then what you need for your rent and your mortgage and for a better house, that won't be there, that faith won't be there. See, what's happening is if the enemy's got you living in the natural. He's robbing your faith. And God has to keep you at a small level because you won't use it for everything. See, you won't get off square one until you use your faith to get off square one. That's why, you know, you ever see sometimes people after they prosper, couples will sit and there's this, this kind of little boredom sits in. And then they'll start thinking about, remember when we first got married, we used to do this, and we, we didn't have much, and we'd put the baby in the stroller and go rolling them down the street, and we, you know, that kind of thing. Why? Because those, those times are rich because you invested in one another. You invested time, you invested prayer, you invested all of these things, even when you think sometimes when you first got saved. Boy, when I first got saved, I told everybody about Jesus. I kept them, remember them, what you call it, chick tracks? Huh? Them burn you, go to hell type tracks, and we gladly gave them out. That was a hot item then. Huh? But now we have what we call wisdom, which lets people go to hell. Huh? It's stealing from people. See, the enemy, let me tell you why the enemy does this. Now, he's a thief anyway. That's all he's ever going to do is steal. But he does this to, to diminish our impact. Think about if your faith for passing out tracks grew. Remember when you had them in your car everywhere and you stuck them everywhere and all of this? Suppose you kept doing that and that grew in your life instead of diminish. Think what you'd be doing now. After 10, 15, 20 years walking with God. Huh? You'd be tearing up. Huh? But we have to have revival. Why? Because we... Uh, 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 drift away. Let the thief have that. Then something... The thief finally gets bad enough to start stealing something from us. And then we get mad. I'm going on a rampage today. I'm a witness to everybody I know. Show me the nursing home. Show me the this. Show me the that. I'm going. So we do it in fits instead of letting it build the way a ministry is supposed to build. Why? Because the thief stealing. Putting it off for another day. I got too much to do. They're depending upon me. Can't do it at my job. They got... Uh, 
harassment. Listen, a job is harassing anyway. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's. But nowadays, you can't say anything. Everything you say to somebody is harassment. And I was thinking to myself, I said, how do people find people to marry and date on a job? If you say something to somebody and they think it's wrong, then they can go and report you. Huh? Now you got to do everything on the sneak. Amen. They got, you know, the Muslims now, they want to mat. You know, facing the east or something like that in in the workplace because they're being their privileges are being denied to them, huh? And so we we pull back because of the thief stealing through pressures, fears. Can't do this here because they'll report me. Religious harassment. They don't tell the Muslim that when he's there bowing and praying in the in the lunchroom. It's only the Christian, huh? Why? Because we have the power of heaven and hell on the inside. Of course the devil wants to stop that. Amen. So we have to stop the thief wherever he is. It's to stop him. Loss is always evidence either of lack of wisdom or lack of godliness. If you pray for something and you can't get that need met, There's a lack there in your prayer, in your spirit. And so you have to find out what the thief has stolen. What's missing? What's lacking here? Because if if you pray in full faith, in full assurance of faith, then you get exactly what the word tells you. If it comes back with something missing, it's because there's something probably needs to be added into that prayer. 2 Peter 3. Tells you that. You know, we've been taught faith so much we think faith by itself is, is, the, is the be all and the end all. But the Bible says, number one, faith without works is dead. And in 1 Peter chapter 3, in verse 3, he says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now God's already given that to us. He says, ask anything that you will and I'll give it to you. And he says, through the knowledge of him that has called us to victory and virtue. He says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. So this is a hook. God gives you promises. You know, I'll take care of you. I'll pay your bills. I'll make you great. Send you to school, whatever you desire. I'll do all these things for you. And that's the lure. And he does that so that we can partake of him. The real thing that he's after is for us to be like him. That we be partakers of the divine nature. He cares less about If you want to drive a Cadillac, if you want to drive a Porsche, if you want whatever you want. He cares less about brand. Except for what, in you coming to him for that, what can he put of himself into you? Because he's going to have to put something else into you in order for you to be able to receive that. So he gives us these great and precious promises. So that in pursuit of the promises, you bump into him and you become a partaker of his divine nature. That's what he really wants. 
He wants to impart himself to you and to me. And so when God begins to help us to partake of his divine nature through encouraging us to believe him for certain things, then he's got a hook in us. And so after we ask in faith, he tells us that we have to add things to our faith. And if these things aren't attended to and added to, the thief has stolen them and it makes our prayers less effective. So he says here in 1 Peter 3, that we might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence to add to your faith virtue. And that means strength. So faith by itself cannot pull everything that we need from God. That's why sometimes you've been confessing the word. I believed I received when I prayed. I'm confessing. I don't let any evil communication come out of my mouth. Well, that's good. Keep doing it. Because if you do it long enough, you'll get virtue. Virtue is that power That works in a person that makes them steadfast, that makes them immovable, almost scary, if you know what I mean. I'm talking about Kenneth Copeland scary. Uh You don't pray to go meet him. If you see him in a hallway, your knees knock together. You got me? Because those people are so adamant. And their stand in God that it's almost scary to people who are not. Kenneth Hagin's spooky. huh? Fred Price the same way. Those people you get the impression, um, Lester Summerall. You get the impression if you say one wrong goofy thing in front of you, they'll slap you from one end to the other. That's virtue. Huh? That's virtue. It's what the Romans referred to as a manliness or a manly strength. Because these people do not waver once they take a stand in faith. So it's virtue. It's not just your continual confessing. I've tried it all, honey. I confessed till my tongue dried up and hung out. And I was no closer to getting what I asked for until I realized that that's not the same thing as virtue. Sometimes your repeated confession is fear. Oh, I forgot to confess the word over my thing today. I wonder if it's coming. There's no virtue there. See, virtue comes from having a correct identity in God. And we talked about yesterday your elevated status. Once you have a covenant with God, your status is already elevated in the earth. And God blesses you. And you become a blessing and you know it. You're not trying to bless somebody. You are a blessing and you know it. That virtue is what makes you know it. That's the knowing part of it. You know it. You don't ever waver from it. If somebody turns you down for something, you're not shaken. Huh? Well, I just got turned down. I'm going to sit here and see what else God has to tell me about this. Virtue makes you steadfast. You don't get crushed and your feelings hurt because something you want ain't happening fast enough. Hmm? 
people of virtue. I remember Fred Price giving a testimony once about getting, uh, being healed himself through the word. And he said that he was taking a shower. And he said, I, I was, you know, you know how you wash yourself. And he said, I kept rubbing against my skin. He said, and I noticed something, a lump or something irregular. And then it started to get inflamed. And, and he said, <clears throat> and I, I looked at it and I took the word of God. And he said, I told God I'm healed. Thank you for my healing. He said, and, and I began to just go about my normal. And to get this, this is what virtue does that fear doesn't. Most people will say, well, I made sure I confessed the word four times a day, which I'm nothing against that. Don't get me wrong. You do that because if you start to get weak, it builds you back up. You do it more for you to stand strong. It continues to feed your spirit and make your spirit. That's part of virtue. But if you do it and you get over into works, because you think if you don't confess it, God's mad at you and you're not going to get it, you're wrong. You got me? So he walks in a place in God where he knows when his mind starts to drift and wander. He said a couple of times, he said, I started to, I'd look at it and I thought to myself, well, should I go to the doctor? Or should he said, and I said, no, I'm just going to continue in virtue. That's what virtue does. Virtue doesn't get weak because it gets bigger and looks uglier. And turns red and starts to get pus and all that. Oh, I got a very weak hand clap on that. Virtue don't go get a Z pack. Huh? Because something's virtue knows. See, that's why I'm saying it's scary and spooky. Because then people, when you say things like that, people, well, she, does she go to the doctor? No, I don't. Amen. Huh? Last time I've been was 18 years ago. And I went because the devil tricked me into getting off onto something that God hadn't told me to get off on. Or I wouldn't have gone then. You got me? But they ain't seen me since then. You know why? Because of virtue. Once I decide something in God, I've decided. Now, Oh, she could have cancer and die tomorrow. And if that's my appointed time, I'm out of here. Y'all will see the girl no more. Now, see, that scares people. Huh? Oh, don't she want to live? Of course I want to live. As long as burdens of earth are attached to me, I'm here. But trust me, when it's over, y'all can lay me. Now, listen, I do have a few requests for anybody who's interested. I do want my nails done by a professional. Don't be getting me some. Don't you? No, no, don't come in there on trials. I just wanted to do something from the woman of God. Should have done something for me while I was living. But don't be trying your experimental nail kit on my nails because I'm dead. Just an aside. <laughs> you didn't think I'd be that bold, did you? Could care less. Huh? Whenever God's done with me here and it's over, it's over. Hopefully I've done everything that he wants me to do. But in the meantime, I'm not scared of my body. Nothing about this scares me. It should, but it's not. There's a whole lot more of it in recent years. and That should scare me, but it don't. It doesn't. Why? 
I made a decision a long time ago. People say, well, that's irresponsible because, you know, you're in charge of a ministry. Y'all would be out of here so fast. You know, I mean, on to something else, to the next thing. Well, she served God the best way she could. Anybody else got a prophecy somewhere we can go over there? And get? <laughs> got chicken dinner over there? Where's our next prophecy? Yeah, I mean, trust me. I mean, God makes provision for all of that stuff. But no, I'm not afraid of dying. I'm not afraid of sickness. Because of virtue. I don't confess the word because I'm scared if I don't confess it, God won't heal me. I confess the word because I can tell when my spirit is getting weak and my mind starts wandering and thinking about going. Listen, before I was saved, I didn't like doctors. I was a nurse. I didn't like them for good reason. You got me? Mm-hmm. Had a situation once in an emergency room where we had to restrain a doctor who was called in to see a patient who insisted on seeing him, and he was drunk at a party. And he came in with a cowboy hat on and some, a little belt looking for the rodeo. So trust me, folks. My trust is not in man. My trust is in the living God. My trust is in my covenant with God. My trust is in almighty God. And I'm really not looking to man to do anything for me. Now, I'm not saying I could have never get off of that and start to drift off and need some help in the natural. But trust me, I'm getting back on the word as fast as I can because I trust the word more than I trust anything I see in the natural. So Fred Price said that a couple of times he started to waver and he started to think to himself, you know, it would be kind of easy just to go to the doctor and get this tape. Then he said he would catch himself. Virtue will correct weakness. See, virtue is a spirit itself. And it will grab your weakness and correct it and make it shut up and say, no, we're not going there. We're going on with God. We're on the right road now. Virtue sees the end of the road and it's good. He's not afraid of the end of the road. So virtue will look down the road and propel you to what you prayed for from the beginning. But you've got to add that to your faith. See, many times we're just trying to operate on faith and confessing the word and we don't want to add, oh, I don't want to hear about nothing else. I'm doing the best I can. I mean, I can barely do, get this done. But you do have to add to it because once you add virtue to your faith, you don't have to go back to square one baby stuff faith again. You can add to it and it increases and you can go into situations in full assurance of faith of what God wants you to do. So we must add virtue first to our faith. And then knowledge. Once you add strength, you you take that stand and you are immovable. That virtue makes that strength there, makes you stand. Then there comes a knowing. And this is what you want added to your faith. You want the, remember the old people would say, you know that you know that you know. 
keep staying in the word until you know that you know that you know. That means any time any thought comes in your brain against it, you know. You can't be moved. And to knowledge, temperance or self-control. Emotional, impulsive people, it's easy for you to make the wrong decision and miss what God has for you. Easy to do it. All you got, all the devil has to do is poke you, and he'll find you're not done, huh? And you'll run off and do something because the enemy's made you scared. You know, it's always some emergency. You don't have time for this and don't have time for that, huh? So just add temperance or self-control to it. Peace about yourself. You always have time to consult the Father about what to do. You're not in any kind of emergency. The world may be, but you're not. Temperance and patience. To patience godliness. See, this is what God's after. He's not so much after giving his kids stuff. But stuff don't bother, don't bother him to one bit to give us anything. But he's trying to get something inside of us. You know, while, while it may be lack on the outside, he's working real strong on the inside. That's what he wants. This is the old gospel. Remember? Even though you're poor and in material goods, you're rich in God. We used to get excited about things like that. Now we think that's wrong to teach people. But there are some people on this earth who will never be rich in goods, but they can sure be rich in God. They can be godly people. They can be people that you can trust and go to to get your prayers answered. Somehow it seems the more material blessings the church has, the less time they have for godly things. You got me? And so we need to understand that God is after something in us, adding godly character to us. After godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, charity. In other words, you're never done adding to your faith in God. God's always working greater character in us. You know, sometimes people get the impression they've heard every sermon and know everything. Could never be further from the truth. What have you added to your faith? Have you added godliness? Have you added virtue? Have you ever added knowledge? He says, for these things, in verse 8, if these things are in you and abound... In other words, God wants more of it in you. And sometimes we can barely get by number one, faith. Huh? I don't know about that virtue stuff. That means I can't go to the doctor. You understand what I'm saying? See, when, when, when things God wants to add to you put fear in you and a question as to what the consequences of it would be if you added that, then you need to work harder to get that in you. Because there's something in you that wants to block what God wants to do and add to your faith these things. Everybody needs better self-control. Everybody needs more godliness, more knowledge. We all need more of these things. So there's nothing wrong with God demanding that we have these things added to our faith. And see, sometimes we wonder, well, what's the holdup? Sometimes it is what we refuse to add to our faith. Sometimes we want to stay in kindergarten. In God's school. We want to add these things. Well, virtue, that means, oh my, you know, 
I don't know about being like Fred Price. He didn't go to the doctor at all. What's wrong with getting a, a Z-Pack? You got me? What's wrong with a little antibiotic? What's wrong with Huh? Nothing wrong with it. But if you add virtue to this, then you won't be lacking in anything. If you're dependent upon natural things, then you're lacking in the spiritual things. So God's goal is to get us equipped fully for the life that he has for us so that we don't have to think about the good old days when we used to go out witnessing all the time. We can do that on a continual basis. See, when you add virtue to your faith, you're strong in the things you believe and people can't take them away from you. You're not embarrassed about the gospel. You're not afraid that somebody, see, virtue is fearless when it comes to witnessing in the workplace. You got me? Virtue lets you know, listen, I could care less about somebody firing me from this thing. If the day is, if this is not my source anymore, then it's not my source. And I'll just move on to the next source. But God does have a job for me. He got a source for me to get financial blessings. And so when, when these things come up in us, we need to, to treasure them and we need to, to develop them in a greater because just living by faith and trying to confess everything into being is not going to get it, folks. The thief can steal so easily from us if we're just banking on one thing to get us what we need in God. You need to add more to it. When your faith is challenged, virtue will stand there until that challenge goes away. And the devil can't steal from you. He can't take anything from you if you're a person of virtue. I believe this. God has told me this. This disease is not going to kill me. Because he told me none of the diseases would he put on me. And I am not sick. I am the healed of the Lord. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what. See, virtue will cause you to stare that thing in the face and make it move instead of you running all around being nervous about, do I go to the doctor? Or do I? You got to make that. You should have had that made up when you got saved. I'm going all the way in Jesus. Some of these things are not options, folks. They're demands. If they're not a demand today, tomorrow they will be. Sometimes you can play around with whether or not you want to trust God with your your health or whether you want to go to the doctor about your health. But one day you must go to God. You got me? One day you must have strength on the inside of you to tell the devil he's a liar. Now, if he mess with your paycheck, you're ready to kill him, string him up and all his kids, too. How, why are we not that way with our body? Huh? Because we're not people of virtue oftentimes. We're weak in our faith as well. Because you can't use your faith in a selective fashion. It's got to be all invested in God or it's no good at all. And so God is demanding, folks. Trust me. You can't play around with these things that steal from you anymore. It's time to move and add to your faith. Increase the things. Get stronger in it. Be the kind of person when people come up to you at work, they'll come up to you instead of telling stupid jokes trying to see if you'll laugh. See, that's because you don't have virtue. They try to get you involved in all this nonsense. They'll be the kind of person when you show up, they say, now I know you're a Christian. I know you don't like this kind of stuff, so we're going to shut up. Well, you can believe that if you want to. Huh? Yeah, see, that's a good place to say amen. 
Because many, and see, you know why we don't respond to it? Because we're scared to be that person. But I'm telling you, when the church was respected, we were that person. People didn't just treat us any kind of way. They didn't threaten to take our jobs. They didn't, they were scared to do that to a Christian. Because we lived in such a way there was virtue in us. And there was an attitude that we didn't play about the things of God. That we were sincere and serious about them. We didn't try to, to lord it all over people. But they knew that there was something in us that was immovable. And they couldn't play with us. And they couldn't make us ashamed of God. And they dare not even try. They'll talk about you behind your back. But they wouldn't come to your face. And they wouldn't tell stupid jokes and try to get off you know, familiar with you and that kind of stuff. But I'm telling you. It's coming back to the church because we've been on vacation long enough with the dumb stuff of the world. We're no richer from the prosperity teaching than we were before. You know why? We were never on God's system. We were always dependent upon the world system because we were using totally the world's methods. But I'm telling you, people of faith and virtue are going to stand out now because God is going to make us prominent, folks. He's going to make us prominent, sought after, and able and capable of, of ministering these things to other people and helping humanity because of what we have in us. We're not going to be a bunch of weaklings running around scared of everything, scared of, of poverty, scared of sickness, scared of all the things that Jesus died to overcome for us. And then the devil's trying to make us subject to those. We're, we're going to stop doing that stuff. And we're going to stand on the word because that's all we're going to have. Trust me. That's it. And that's enough. And we'll be able to build a kingdom down here for God. We'll be able to build places of refuge for people when they have difficulty and trouble. Instead of just buildings with a bunch of people and nice carpet and artificial flowers at the altar. We're going to be able to build people so that they'll have that godly virtue in them. They'll have brotherly love. They'll be people that have great self-control. Where people, once the day they find out they're saved, they put the drink down and they don't go back to it anymore. Like they did back in the day. We will have that again. Because God's going to bring it to us. Amen. Why don't we quit? Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you. I appreciate the people (laughs) pressing and staying awake. (laughs) as much as they could praise God Uh, now listen I really want you to to get this teaching because I believe as I always do that God wants to build something and so that you'll have and I realize some of us were really tired and you know Crystal stayed awake the whole time (laughs) 